with the old and in with the new as 2018 is upon us. In this corner with Brian Campbell, the MMA edition returns and it's ready to pass your guard with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell is the voice that you hear. Just about ready to tag in my main man and Bellator light heavyweight Muhammad King Mo Lawal to look back on 2017 as a whole in the sport of mixed martial arts and hand in our year-end awards. We will also recap the fallout from big victories from Cyborg and Habib Nurmagomedov at UFC 219 over the weekend and give our bold predictions for the new year to come, including the futures of Conor McGregor, GSP, Nate Diaz, and much, much more. Hey, King Mo will also spread his wings as a combat sports expert and give you his always 100 take on boxing's heavyweight division in 2018. Whether Kenny Omega has WWE aspirations in his future, and what Dana White's interest in promoting the sweet science just might look like in the new year to come. But before we make this audio magic happen, let me remind you that if you hear something today on the show that you like, if you see something, say something. Well, head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, review. Heck, shout us out on social media using that hashtag in this corner. It only takes a second. And please do us a favor and follow the podcast on Twitter at in this corner CBS for all your latest news about the boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling world, including links to all of our episodes. Hey, you got some free time. Go back and check out our year-end award show in boxing, in pro wrestling. It'll make you laugh. It'll give you the feels you don't want to miss. But with the business out of the way, it's time to have some fun. Enjoy. Oh, yeah, 2018, and we are back. The Brian Campbell and King Mo Muhammad Lawal. Ready to uh, tackle a loaded show looking back on the year that was in 2017. Recapping the final card, UFC 219, and doing a lot of looking ahead. King Mo, it's deep freeze time in Connecticut. I'm in the negative right now. How are you doing, my man? How was your holidays? Uh, my holidays is always good. I I just chill, man. Chill and try to stay warm. Um, I did that in Florida, but now I'm out here in Midland, Texas, helping my boy. It is freezing. Sky oh, man, it's freezing. This guy, King Mo, a man of the world. You can follow him on Instagram at KingMoFH. And I've been noticing lately you've been posting all these uh, hilarious pictures of your face superimposed on some historical fighting figures there. Yeah, you know what? The Apollo Creed one. I, at, the, at first, when I, my boy did it, he sent it to me. I was like, that's a cool picture of Apollo Creed. What's up? He's like, look closer. And I was looking for like five, ten minutes. I was like, what? What? What you mean look closer? He's like, Mo, that's you. <laughs> I had no idea. That was me for the longest. <laughs> Man, I'm just having my fun, though. Absolutely. So, King Mo, uh, we didn't love 2017 as a mixed martial arts fan. At least I didn't love compared to what we're used to, compared to what it could have been. We're going to get into a lot of that later. But it closed with a card that may have summed up the year in UFC 219 from Las Vegas. Eh, not that good on paper, you know. Hits and misses when it finally delivered. What was your take overall on this card? You know what? As a matter of fact, I'm gonna do my whole take on MMA for this year Bring right it. now. Bring it. <sighs> Remember about seven, eight years ago when everyone said boxing is dead because the best don't fight the best. And I mean, like the best need to fight the best. We want action and this and that. Well, and MMA, especially in the UFC. So many interim titles. Mm -hmm. When the best fight the best is uh, people lose interest. Um, they, um, I feel like, uh, 
how do I say it? Like this year was lackluster. Um, I feel like people tried they tried to, too hard to to um compare MMA to boxing and stuff like that. Compare MMA to this. No, let's just keep MMA the same. Let's work on marketing more people. Let's work on putting out more quality because this year we had a lot of quantity and no quality. That's one thing boxing and pro wrestling are doing different now, besides WWE. Right. Raw, <laughs> WWE's giving yeah. us too much too much content, yeah. But everything else is like you, you know, you see boxing, you see quantity you see quality, not quantity. MMA is, is all is all quantity and not quality. And I hope we can go back to the quality days. I'm with you. I mean you had five cards for the UFC in the month of December. Five. Like that's gratuitous. That's unnecessary. And I can't tell you I can't tell you any I really can't I, I don't I can tell you this. I don't remember watching five cards in in this month. I mean last month. Don't remember that. They were not I'm pretty sure I did. Well, that's the thing. You end up with, you know, two fights per card that were memorable when you used to have a loaded main card of five memorable fights. So were we spoiled as MMA was in more of its infancy phase? Or did UFC get to a point where they realized in 2016 how much money this could make and they just kept spreading their wings further and further and further until, you know, they got a little bit wounded this year. A couple of their, a couple of their biggest wings were not flying and look what happened. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of, a little bit of everything. I feel like, um, um, when it comes down to it, they don't push, they, they don't market the fighters enough because they're not enough, not enough stars. Um, I, I think oversaturation is another problem. And they got to do, they gotta do, I feel like they have to have new ideas of like matchups. Do something a little different because the, the whole, the, the, ter- the, the ranking system is a joke. No, no question. No question. They've, they've cut off their, you know, their nose to save their face multiple times this past year. Uh, this card though, King Mo, there were some stories that came out of it. I mean, Habib Nurmagomedov stole the show. We'll get to him in a second. But that main event, you know what? Proved pretty entertaining from, from a tactical sense. And Chris Cyborg defending her featherweight championship against Holly Holm. Technically, this is probably the toughest matchup we're going to see her against. Only because, guess what? There's no featherweight division besides Chris Cyborg. I'm sorry, there just isn't. I know in Invicta there was a few names floating around. There's nobody for Chris Cyborg to fight after this. So this may have been her Super Bowl at 145. Holly Holm put up a pretty tough fight. Yeah, Holly Holm put up a pretty tough fight, but at the same time, like the reason why it was so tough because we saw it was the reason why we give her extra credit. And Holly Holm's a good fighter, but she was overmatched in a sense due to size. But we gave her credit because she did things to Cyborg we never seen happen before. We never seen Cyborg get pushed against the cage. We never seen get we seen, we never seen her bleed. That's a great point. Think about it. That's the first. And the thing is, the fact that matters is the, mo- the moment we saw her bleed, people were like, "Oh my God, Cyborg's losing." Kind of similar to when Floyd fought Cotto. Cotto made Floyd bleed. People started believing, oh man, Cotto was doing great, which he was. He was. But they're giving extra, they're giving extra credit due to the blood. You're right. In hindsight, Cotto won four rounds against Floyd in 2012. It's just that nobody was used to winning that many rounds and nobody bloodied Floyd. So suddenly we're like, this is a great fight. In reality, it really wasn't that great. It was a couple of good moments, but it was like, you just never saw Floyd compromised. And, and, and I think the other thing about the fight is like, People try to say the fight was close, but it really wasn't that close because here's how I here's how I see it. How did Cyborg what what adjustments did Cyborg make from rounds one to five? That's a good point. She sort of just was herself and just she she broke Holly down with big punch. Other women take those right hands and they're out of the fight. Where Holly showed determination in a chin, but she her face got broken down round after round by the same type of strikes. And the thing is, if you notice. The cyborg started doing. Cyborg started walking down, 
was worried. Was she was she was cognizant about the kick coming, but Cyborg was like, you know what? I will eat one or two to land my one or two. So Cyborg got the point where Cyborg was like, you know what? She's coming. I'm gonna punch with her. Which good boxers, top high level boxers will punch with their opponents. That's high level technique. Cyborg that's Marquez stuff. And I'm, that's that's Juan Manuel Marquez stuff right there. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'm gonna be real with you. I'm gonna put it out there like this. I have Cyborg as my top pound for pound fighter right now. And the whole I, I men or women is what you're saying. Yeah, because who's gonna like? I'm, I'm looking at this right. Like, granted, she's not she doesn't have the skill set as some of those people do, like Mighty Mouse. But she has, the chance of her losing before those guys is slim to none. I don't see anyone really beating her right now. I, I can see Mighty Mouse losing to somebody else at 125 before I can see Cyborg losing to somebody at 145, due to the fact that not many 145 pounders. That's really that's so what's going to be the problem. Yeah. I mean. And even though Holm, yeah. technique-wise, like I said, is probably the best Cyborg can, can face. If you notice, Holm didn't try to take that fight to the ground once because she has no ground game. So it was still a somewhat one-dimensional attack. But I don't want to rob from what Cyborg did because my biggest takeaway was this, King Mo. Her evolution from how we remember her in Strike Force is so dramatic in my eyes because in Strike Force, if you, especially if you watch the Gina Carano fight, for example, the, the first, you know, women's fight that really mattered in MMA, Cyborg would take a ton of punishment to get her shots off back then. Now, boy, is she poised, patient, even technical at age 32. I thought she out techniqued Holly Holm and that was as big of a part of her victory as just having a heavier right hand. I mean, I was really impressed with the boxer cyborg is it's you know you get this mindset that she's just this brawler that's totally untrue well i saw that um well i saw i saw the evolution of cyborg just like you did um when she came in she took she took some punishment but more than anything she sacrificed positions like reverse gina she pulled full mount she pulled gina into full mount just to go for leg lock and she never got that um i feel like now she's more composed more mature she understands like she don't gotta go balls to the wall. Um, she picks her shots better because you notice she's picking her shots on um, on Holly, especially she was landing right to Holly's left eye. I think it was her left eye. Yeah, the accuracy was there. Hand. Boom, boom, all day body kicks, even the knees. Because so, there are a few times she lands some body work, and you can see it. You can see Holly home like double over. Um, Holly's tough, tough as nails. And there were some Man. hipster arguments that if Holm dragged. Cyborg into into deep waters that this may turn into a bad fight for Cyborg because we'd never seen her go. We saw her go four rounds once. We'd never seen her go five, but there was no stamina issues. I mean, she just like uh, Amanda Nunez in the rematch with Shevchenko, she she reversed any idea that she was going to come up lame if this fight went really deep, and that was very impressive. Well, well the, thing, the thing about Cyborg is now Cyborg, the difference between Cyborg and Amanda is Cyborg can control the pace. At any pace, she can go fast, control the pace. Like, you, like the fifth round, you saw her blitz and then slow it down. She can go fast. She can go. She can walk you down patiently, and she controls the range. She's all the way in or all the way out, you know. And, and she doesn't she doesn't get counterpunched much. She's pretty much she's a complete fighter in my eyes. Like, only thing she has to work on is not not getting double underhooked and staying off the cage because that's the only time I've seen her in that situation, that position. And I was like, okay, nice, nice. No, that's a great game plan by uh, Holly Holm and uh, and um, Greg Jackson and Winklejohn. What I would like to see from there is um, when um, when she had her against the cage, maybe shoot shots and punches and finish to the top and then back up. But before instead, she pushed against the cage and backed right up, and Cyborg came forward. No, sit there, 
throw a few shots, shoot shots with shots like Delahoya did versus um versus uh versus uh, Floyd, and look like you're winning, doing something, and then circle around, circle around, and move around, stick and move. Very, very good stuff. Very good points there. The whole idea of who she's going to face next is where it, it gets difficult because, you know, yeah, she could face Megan Anderson, who Cyborg was supposed to face for the title, you know, a few months back in July when instead she fought late replacement Tanya Evinger. But no one really, no one's going to get moved by that fight. Maybe you could argue the the inaugural featherweight champion Jermaine Durandamy would be a interesting opponent. But really, again, nobody cares about that. So outside of... I guess bloated bantamweights moving up. Maybe there is no outside of that. Maybe that's the only marketable chance is if we get some bantamweights with names, Katzengano type fighters, and maybe get them to move up. I'm not really sure what the answer is. I think a lot of people are pretty soon going to start to say maybe it's Amanda Nunez moving up, but it sounds like neither of them, both from Brazil, want that fight. Is there a part of the Brazilian culture that a lot of times some of these top fighters don't want to fight their own countrymen? Well, I must say that. You know what? It's like this. Let Cyborg beat Megan Anderson, right? Then after that, if they want Amanda Nunez, the homie, just to fight my other homie, Cyborg, show some money. Like, this 300 grand mess ain't gonna, you know, you look, Amanda's fighting Cyborg. Give her a flat million. <laughs> <laughs> Give Cyborg a flat million because when you go into Cyborg, you're gonna, you're gonna leave not your, not your full self. You're gonna leave with the part of yourself in that cage. You better believe that. And yeah. even if you do win, you're still going to leave a part of yourself in that cage because Cyborg is no joke. Very, very, very good point. I'm just happy the full – I mean, in a lot of ways, this was a full circle moment. Yes, Cyborg had already debuted in the UFC. Yes, she had already won a title. But, I mean, she just headlined a pay-per-view, and this was a promotion and a promoter in Dana White who were just a couple years removed from him basically calling her a steroid-using man. So, like, to, to, hear, to see us so far away from that now and Cyborg still in her relative, you know, prime at 32 to finally get this chance to be – no question about it – the best female fighter in the world. I am very happy for her because she's a rare, unique, all-time talent. And you didn't want to see her, you know, forced to fight in Invicta because UFC didn't have a weight class for her. To, to see how far we've come in that regard, good for Cyborg. Very deserving. Yeah, man. Like, like not just that, but the, the stuff she, the stuff she's, the, the, the stuff she's experienced as a fighter, you know, um, people calling her tranny, people calling her this. Um, when, 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 when uh, um, Ronda first signed with the UFC and signed with her, she was calling her Cyroids and smashed her, and then Dan White was calling her Vanderlei. And, you know, the stuff she went through, the, the UFC did not want to push her, but she can't be denied because they needed stars. Cyborg could not be denied because she's that dominant. And, you know, just to, see, just to hear a story, a girl from the favelas, married another fighter, came to America, was really not supposed to be the person to – to shine like that, the Gator she comes to, she comes to belt them to strike force looks great. We have another girl looking great in Gina Carano looking spectacular. Gina messes up in an interview says, "Hey, I'd like to fight Cyborg," and that was it. The moment Gina mentioned Cyborg's name, Cyborg became a star because when they fought Cyborg, everyone was like, "Wow, Cyborg is so good, so vicious." Cyborg was so dominant that she was a ratings killer. So when she fight, people wouldn't watch want to watch her fight because she was so dominant. They figured that there's no one that no one that could push her. So when she fight, people just be like, "All right, Cyborg's gonna kill this girl." They watched the first round. If it went past the first round, which it rarely did, they changed the channel because they knew it was over. And you know, we got in hindsight, 
if we didn't know it then, like Rousey did everything she could to avoid that this fight, and and rightfully so when you look back at how their styles would have matched in their prime. But believe me, I was the guy in 2013, 2014 saying, "Hey, Rousey." If you're the Babe Ruth of, of, you know, women's MMA and you're going to retire as the best of all time and you don't move up, let's say, five pounds to do a catchweight fight with Cyborg to determine for real who's the best, you know, then you are playing yourself. And ultimately, you know, she she got knocked out twice and is now out of the game. But I don't think Rousey was really ever going to be in a position to give Cyborg a fight unless Cyborg was going to literally kill herself cutting down weight. She yeah, knew. um yeah, uh, the UFC didn't want that fight either. They knew what's up. They didn't want that fight. Um, Dana White tried his best to keep that fight from happening. Same thing with Ronda. And uh, it it worked to a certain extent. <laughs> you know, it worked. You know, but it didn't work because somehow, some way, Cyborg ended up in the UFC and ended up beating the girls that, um, not the girls, but beating the, the Slayer, the Rousey Slayer, pretty easy. So in, in, in a weird way, it worked out for the UFC where, where marketing-wise they, they were talking about, you know, Holm could be the greatest female fighter of all time. She upset Rousey. Now she's going to have a chance to upset Cyborg. So they got the marketable matchup that, you know, the best that they could have out of that. And like we said, good for Cyborg. But the story from 219 King Mo really was lightweight Habib Nurmagomedov who improved to 25-0. and 0. I make the joke a lot. He doesn't come in that cage to take you down. He comes in that cage to take your soul. He took... Edson Barbosa's soul. And now we have a fun future ahead of us at lightweight with this trio of idol champion Conor McGregor, hungry interim champion Tony Ferguson, and now the destructive Habib Nurmagomedov. Although, King Mo, a year ago at this time, we were kind of in that same picture. Like, not much has really changed in one full year. Maybe we just know even more to a higher degree that Habib is for real. How excited are you at seeing this finally consummated, finding out who really is the best lightweight in the world, if we can get there. We ain't going to get there. Um, who's going to happen? Like right now, you're talking about the three. I think it's more than three. I think you throw Dustin Poirier in there. I think you throw Gaethje. I think you throw Eddie Alvarez in there. I think you throw Kevin Lee in there. Because when it comes down to it, styles make, styles make fights. And one thing I saw from Michael Johnson, that and the Michael Johnson versus Habib, Habib's my boy. I love Hubby. He's a fight his ass off. But one thing I saw from Michael Johnson is when you throw punchy stuff to the angle, that might give Habib some problems. Because if you notice, I've never seen Habib go backwards besides that one fight. Michael Johnson was he's a southpaw. He would throw a right hook, step to the right as well. So he, he's out of the way of any counters. Um, there are a few people who can do that. It's just that we haven't seen it happen because they haven't been forced to fight Habib. One thing you say about Habib is once you fight him, your style has to change. You can't fight the same style. You have to be a little slicker. True. You can't move too much because if you move, he will walk you down and wear you out. If you hold your ground too long, he'll take you down. So you have to be a little slicker. You have to move, like you have to be smooth and slick, kind of like a mixture of Paul Malignaggi and James Tony, because guys like that are slippery, like Chris Bird, slippery. You have to be slippery and be right there to counterattack and land your shots. Well, do you so think that what moves, gives Connor the confidence? Because Connor is all over Twitter the last 24 hours, you know, all over Habib. Do you think it gives him the confidence that he sees that same blueprint? He saw Michael Johnson kind of light Habib up at 205 for a half round until Habib took him down and just, you know, destroyed him. Well, if Connor, if that's what Connor sees, and Connor is greatly mistaken because Connor doesn't have that style to do that. He doesn't have that step around style. If you watch him, he tried with Floyd and it didn't look good. It looked too choppy. Um, he doesn't step around good. And if you, in MMA, you watch him, he stands in front of you. 
he might take a little sidestep when he has you hurt, but he stands from so in front of you with a wide stance that if Habib were just let me let me let me let me stop there. He's he's in a wide stance with a lot of his weight on his back leg, right? If Habib were to shoot shoot at him, he would shoot through him and, and drive through him or drive him against the cage. Now, once Habib has you against the cage and locks his hands, it's game over. Once Habib locks his hands on your legs, especially high thigh, it's game over. And if you look at Connor's deep takedown defense, it's high schoolish. It's, wow. It's wow. subpar. Subpar. I, you subpar. Know, I mean, you're right. That's been his Achilles heel on paper. No question about it. Now, let, you look, you let Diaz back him up against the cage. If Diaz get back up against the cage, what's Habib going to do? Well, so that's a great point. So before we fast forward too far to, to Habib versus Connor and all that, just take us back to uh, the Barboza fight for a second. Number one, this is the kind of L that, like, I feel like changes a man. So I don't like that Barboza's corner let him come out for round three and that he was so. I don't want to say happy, but he was, you know, he wanted to go the distance to prove something. I don't know what you're going to prove in that part. And number two, Habib talked a lot afterwards how you say I'm not a striker, my critics. Look at what I did out there. Were you impressed by the striking of Nurmagomedov, not just the wrestling? Uh, you know what? I was impressed by everything because the striking, the striking was only available because, you know, um, he noticed that um, Barbosa wasn't holding his ground. It's like this. Guys with that bouncing style, um, like MVP, Wonder Boy, Barboza, that frantic bouncing style, if you notice, they have to move. When they stop moving to attack, it has to be something big. Same thing with Mark Nikasi. It has to be a spinning kick, hard punch, or, you know, some switch kick, a flying knee. It's always something big. So if you watch Barboza, he moves so much that if you just mirror him and stay close, he has to just keep on moving until there's enough space to execute a big technique. Good point. That's why you saw him. You saw you see him spin. After a while, he'll go for that and he'll get tired. And then and then what will happen is, like what will happen is, um, he'll have to recharge his energy to get to the, land another big attack or throw another big attack. And in between, guys like Habib and Ferguson will be walking down, picking picking you know, landing point, the points, touching him, and to get a takedown. And uh, you can't fight like that. You can't fight. You can't fight five rounds like that. It's hard to fight three rounds like that. As a matter of fact, you know who fought like that? Years ago, those Santos versus Kane, and what yes. happened? You can't give ground like that versus a guy that's a seek and destroy fighter. You have to step to the side, Kirk, you know, you know, circle around, step around. You can't, you can't make, you can't just move to move. You have to step around him and make him turn. All right, so Kingbo, you're you some technical gold you just broke down right there. You are a guy who can wrestle. You're a guy who came up with the math equation: hands plus wrestling equals a problem. That equation seems to describe. Habib Nurmagomedov. Why is he different? Yeah. Why is he such a destroyer? Is it just, oh, here's this crazy guy from the Dagestan section of Russia? Like, why is he extra next level dangerous as a wrestler? Well, he's extra next level dangerous for one, mentality wise. Two, cardio. Three, pressure. Four, his sambo as well with his wrestling. His dad was a freestyle wrestling coach and he did sambo as well. Five, so I what is that? Well, let me pause the, you there. What is the sambo? What's the difference when you're free, uh, as compared to an average wrestler? Then, well, the thing about sambo is sambo's a um, it's like judo without gi pants on, and also leg locks involved. So you see a lot of guys do combat sambo, and I, you know, for, for instance, like Vadim Nemkov, he was in a tournament with me. He was only four and zero in the tournament, three and zero in the tournament, but in combat sambo, he had over two hundred something fights. So pretty much. Going, he was the most experienced fighter in that tournament. 
but I was the most experienced fighter as far as just the number of pro fights that, you know, pro fights, but a lot of these guys in combat samba and samba itself, they train they they do amateur fighting in in the combat league, combat samba leagues. When it's when they've done enough and it's time to go, they go and they come to MMA. You know, and that's what Habib you see Habib Habib has seen everything. You know what I'm saying? He could possibly see his toughest fight. What do you think his toughest fight was? Uh, I mean, on paper, Dos Anjos, but he hasn't really had the toughest fight. He's dominated. Nope. Yeah, he has. Yeah, nope, 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 nope. Gleason T-Bow. Oh, your, yeah. your boy, your go boy. Back. ATT. I got to go back yeah. and rewatch that. Yeah. Yeah, go back and watch that. Like, not much happened because Gleason T-Bow is a, another version of Habib, but not as conditioned to ah. fight in that style. So you just can't muscle Habib. You can't muscle T-Bow because if you watch that fight, T-Bow and uh, Habib were in over and unders most of the fight. Going for takedowns, nothing really, nothing really happened. Honestly, I thought the fight was a draw, but he gave it to Habib split decision. It was a very close fight. Not much happened, but it's gonna be, it's gonna take someone like this, big and strong, that can, that with cardio, or it's gonna take a slickster, take a step around and be slippery as a noodle. Very interesting stuff. But I like what you said. It's a combination of the mindset. It's a combination of of the next level wrestling. I mean, this guy is a scary dude, and there's. From this fight, at least, there's almost like this Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, it seems, type love that's starting to build up to, for him. That people, like, love the broken English and the quirks that come with it. That it's almost like Habib has folk hero, you know, cult hero potential, I think, if the UFC markets him correctly. Do you get any of those feels? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. But at the same time, man, America fans are so fickle. Fans are so fickle. You know, MVP had that one bad fight. After all the spectacular knockouts, she That's has true. one bad fight. People are like, oh, let Habib have one bad fight. And you see people be like, oh, he is not that good. Connor beat. It's just Habib is that good. And I think that he's had one bad fight since so people forgot it. You know what I'm saying? Because he's been on a, on a tear ever since. I think Habib's going to be tough to beat. I, I think that Ferguson is going to be tough for Habib to beat. I think that fight right there, Habib might be the favorite, but I think Ferguson has some, some things that can give uh, – Habib some issues. Well, one of those things might be his willingness to go through hell to win a fight. That's something that matters. That's part of the scouting report. Yeah, but I think even more the 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 reach. Good point. The reach. The activity. Striking. Yeah, there it is. The activity because the thing is that with Habib, like you see guys try to swing and Habib just comes forward and jams you. They try to swing, go for something hard. You see Barbosa try to go for something hard, but when Barbosa was just touching, he was landing. With Habib. He's the type of person you don't want to swing hard for because he comes forward and he'll he'll smother whatever you throw. Just touch him. Don't go for speed. Don't go for power because you're not going to scare him with the power. But you go for speed, you got to make him freeze, cover up, and stop because he won't know where it's coming from. But if it's power, he'll be like, okay, just keep coming forward. I'll smother it. Well, Connor kind of does that, though, to a degree, right? He'll touch you lightly to just keep you in your range and to, and to keep you keep you mm-hmm. close by and maybe lull you to sleep Machida style. Is that is there any comparison there? You know, Rashad used to say Machida, you know, would tap him and didn't feel like he was getting hit, and then the boom would come. Yeah, but the thing about Connor is Connor's more like, – Machida's more like – more looser right on his feet a little bit and would move. Connor – Playing his feet, my bad, I got a phone call. Listen to that plant his feet and try to um, and try to um and try to land the big shot. That won't work on Habib because Connor will throw power. He'll throw more power than just tap. He'll tap, tap, tap when he knows you're covering up and come with something hard. But Habib won't respect Connor and Connor respects Habib. And he'll back up and get taken down. That's the difference. Ferguson don't care because Ferguson's like, I can grapple too. You know what I'm saying? I can get to my feet. 
Yo, you want to take me down? Eat these elbows, knees, and punches. Yes. Connor can't afford to do that. Connor can't afford to do that. Eat these elbows is what he's saying. All right, King Mo, we got to get out of 219. A couple quick hitters on the way out. Carla Esparza in a strawweight fight gets the close edge over Cynthia Calvillo. Kind of ended the storybook debut year for Calvillo where she was going for five victories, four in the UFC in one calendar year. Comes up short, but I really liked what I saw from Esparza. I see somebody hungry who has bounced back finally from that title loss to Ioana young Jacek and looks like maybe she's got a run in her. You agree with that? Yes. Yeah, I think so. And I think, too, you can see the um, experience difference. Because Carla was like, Carla stick to a game plan. You see it. After the first round, she said, okay, you know what? I'm going to stick and move. I'm landing this right hand. I'm landing my jab on this girl. And she's just throwing heat. I'm just going to touch her, stick and move, stick and move. And when I can get this takedown, I will. And if you notice, she was getting a takedown. She wouldn't keep her on the back. It was a reset. So what Cavillo eventually had to worry about the takedown and what she's worth the takedown, uh, um, Carla was to get her hands off. And Carla, she stuck to a game plan. She looked good. That's the best I've ever seen her look. Oh, yeah, to mix the striking with the wrestling. And then, yeah. of course, you know, if Rose remains the champion throughout this calendar year, there's a, there's your marketable rematch in the sense that, of course, Rose lost that inaugural, inaugural title fight to Esparza. So I, I like when there's those full circle rematch opportunities. But, you know, who knows? Who knows if Rose is still going to have that belt? Who knows what Ioana's situation is going to be? It's a crowded division, a fun division. That was a good fight. The other big piece of info we got from this card was that Carlos Condit, I mean, he comes back from a mini-retirement. It may be time to go back, King Mo. At 32, he just lost his sixth in his last eight appearances. A dominant decision win from Neil Magny. But my biggest takeaway was I didn't see the heat from Condit. I didn't see the hunger. I mean, is it over? You don't want to declare that for somebody, but did it look over to you? Well, you know what? Um, I'm not going to say it's over. I'm going to say that I think maybe he needs to get with the strange coach, work on explosive fast switch, because – one thing I saw about Carlos Condon, and one thing I've noticed about him, is uh, he has no fast switch whatsoever. He used to, but now it seems like it's gone. Like when he fought Diaz, you saw a little bit of it because the boot was good, and he exploded. But now I saw a kick, and I was like, man, that kick is slow. And I was like, I'm thinking maybe he's not all the way 100% from his injuries. Maybe it's confidence. You know, but True. he needs to do something. He needs to do something, get with a good strength coach, um, work on some athletic ability stuff. Because he is athletic. It's just that now – I thought maybe just like I'm a fighter. Some people say I'm a fighter, not an athlete. Well, be both. Yeah. Carlos kind of can be both. I was wrong. He's actually age 33. But, I mean, the losses had all come against top-level competition, but there's some real wars in there. So you never know. I mean, you never know when when the when the story's over before you want it to be. It, it, it's interesting. I don't think he should change weight and reinvent himself. Maybe what you're saying is, is, is the way to do it, to hang around in this game. But at some point, when you've lost six of your last eight, there's not – Many directions you can go, so it's tough. Well, tough there, there, there are there are some directions, like um, for instance, like, and that's why I say this. I watched the Arturo Gatti um legendary fight with uh, Mickey Ward. I watched it last night. Legendary, the legendary fight on HBO. Watched it, and one thing, um, when when Arturo Gatti was going through those wars, he reached out to, you know, um, Buddy McGirt. Yes, and was like, hey man, I want to, I'm gonna stop being a brawler. I want to be a boxer. And Carlos Conley can do the same thing. Carlos Conley can just, you know. With his kickboxing stuff, he can kickbox, he can strike, but maybe it's time for him to add some more, add more faucets and add more dimensions to his striking. So or it's just so a new voice. His knees and kicks. Maybe a new voice yeah. in that corner. Maybe that changes things, right? Yeah, that or you know what? Even more, he should follow the new trend that's just boxing because he has no hands. Everything he does is all kickboxing. Get a boxing coach. 
get with uh, Danny Romero out there, who's who's Holly Holmes' old coach out there, and uh, he's a he's a um, Hall of Famer, two-time world champion, I believe. Danny Romero, he's out there in Albuquerque, New Mexico, hell of a coach. He hey, maybe get maybe get with King Mo, maybe you know, maybe maybe get in the gym at ATT. What do you think? Look, I'm open. Look, there's no secrets in my game. Like, if people want to come and train, reach out to me. I'll train with anybody. You know, I I, I love learning. I love working out. You know, um, Carlos Khan's a hell of a fighter. He can, he still, he can still, if he can, if he can get his act together and get his body right and get his mind right, he can make a run and still get to a title shot. Easy. Hey, natural segue in there of come train with King Mo. I was peeping the uh the at King Mo FH Instagram account. I see a uh, controversial former NFL player. Current MMA fighter Greg Hardy showing up on the timeline there. Was he training with you at ATT? This guy's got a couple pro fights under his belt now. What kind of future does he have? What did you see working with well, him? Well, he's amateur three and zero, but he could turn pro. Um, good power, good speed. He's my like for this tournament. I sparked this tournament. I mean, I sparked him quite a few times. As a matter of fact, I, I sparked him probably about five or six times. Last time we sparred, it was a battle. All right. It was a battle because he gave me. He gave me work. He actually took me down. Dude's a big 280-pound guy. You know, like, he picked me up and just threw me. Threw me What's down. His, like, does okay, he have nice. a fighting foundation? Does he have a wrestling background? No, just boxing. Like, we used to learn how – we just learned how to strike and box. Um, I remember the first day he came last year, I saw him. gave him a pair of my gloves. I was like, all right, man, let's work on this. And he's on the bag and went from hitting the bag, working on his jab and his right hand, his hook, uppercuts to learning kicks, to learning takedown defense, to learning a little jiu-jitsu. He's a fast learner. He loves it. He's going to be it, – it, look, granted, if he didn't take too much damage, like too much head trauma in the NFL, because, you know, concussions are serious, if, he, if, he, if his head is right, he'll be, a, he'll be the man to be beat. To, he'll, be, he'll be a top, top ten fighter. Whoa. It, so this is not like, hey, he'll come to Bellator and get some fun carnival fights and he'll, be, he'll get TV ratings. You're like, no, he's a real fighter. This is a real thing. Well, the thing is, like, Bellator, UFC, I think that – like. A heavyweight guy, guy that athletic. Great. I don't know where his chin's at because you know, like you know, we, I don't try to knock you out and spawn, but a guy that athletic and that big and that strong, you know, if he learns how to, um, he'll be he's like right now he's like cyborg, but the moment he learns how to to relax and think in the cage, I don't think anyone's gonna beat him unless it's somebody who has good striking experience or good wow. wrestling experience. All right, this is this is a this is a high high praise here. I mean, he is only twenty nine. That's in his favor. Heavyweights do mature late. It'll be interesting. The only problem is when I mean, maybe this is what it's like at that level. But the couple fights we've seen him on the internet, I mean, he was fighting against guys who could probably be driving the cab yeah. on the way home. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say this. I've seen him spar with a few guys in the UFC. I saw him spar with guy. Guys make his gonna make his debut in the UFC from Russia. Can't say his name. <laughs> but I saw Hardy put hands on him. I saw Hardy sit him down. All right. Hardy made him quit. Hardy sat him down twice. All right, right you got me fired up. Him. You got me fired up to see what this guy Hardy's got going for him here. Yeah. Can he be I'll a heel? Hardy, He's got a bad rep, so can he be the heel to equal that in terms of marketing? Well, I think right now, because I'm he's my boy, I'm like, look, let's let's um win these fights. Let's let's get back to community because you you know, your your name ain't right. So it's time for you to get back and you're down for that. You know, it's time for the Give back to community, and then once once he gets back to community, his name is straight and everything. Then be a heel. Don't be a heel when you're still hated. You know. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's another piece of sage <laughs> wisdom from the great King Mo. Serious, and, and the thing is, like I know talking to Hardy, like like his, he, like his mind's right, and he's like, you know what, Mo? He openly came to me like, Mo, I got to make a change. I got to get back because you know I did some bad things in my past. I grew up, came from nothing, and now. 
I need to get back to those that are in the same position as me, and I need to get back to the women that you know, I'm saying that are going through bad things. And and I'm I'm like, all right, cool. Well, like you know it. what? Let's do it. I'll, I'll I'll do it with you. Let's let's do it. So it's like it's time for, year, for us as a people to start making some changes. Change the way we eat. Change the way we treat each other. There's some Tupac for you right there. Come on, the old way wasn't working, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's on us to do what we got to do to survive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you dropped the, the pot. Now, nah, man, I, I think that Greg Hardy's gonna be. Um, I think with the next year, another year or so, you're gonna see Bellator and UFC make their move for him. All right, love love to hear that. Let's do that. All right, Kingmo, 2017 awards. Everyone's coming out with their best of this, best of that. The people want to hear from King Mo as well. So let's start out Fighter of the Year. I released my own pick on CBS Sports before the new year. Look, I went with Max Holloway. I thought that this wasn't a slam dunk year for any individual fighter. There were guys that had one great victory, didn't have two or three. But when I looked at across the board of the nominees like Mighty Mouse, Rose Nami Yunus, Robert Whitaker, Tyron Woodley. I thought Max Holloway had the biggest, made the biggest leap. Wins the title over Jose Aldo. Cements his pound for pound status with a dominant victory in the rematch. Who does King Mo give 2017's MMA Fighter of the Year to? It had to be, when I say so, this is a tough question because it could be, it could be Max Holloway. It could be Francis Ngannou. Yeah, well, that's you a splash. He had to, that's a splash right there he made. There's no question about that. Yeah, it could be, it, it, I I I I would I don't, man that's, that's a tough one. Uh, Is it one of those years in your mind where there's no sexy pick? So because there's no sexy pick, do you just give it to Demetrius Johnson, who set the record for title defenses, had two dominant victories, had the highlight real submission over uh, over what's the guy's name in the rematch there? Yeah, I, I know you're talking about the, the, the armbar. Yeah, um, I think it could be Mighty Mouse, it could be Engano, it could it could be um, it could be Max Holloway. <sighs> It, right, right there. It can, and I, even let's be real. It could be even Rose, because what Rose did, like I'm gonna be real with you, an American Top Team. I love, I love Joanna. Joanna, she could fight, she trains hard, but everyone at the gym dismissed Rose. Remember, I told you this. Everyone at the gym was like, "Oh, Rose is gonna, Rose is gonna get killed." Like Joanna's an animal. And I was like, "Okay." You, you see the weigh-in pictures, you see the interviews, just off that, off that alone. Like, the, if you look at the, if you look, the, 2018. Was the year of the bully. True. But, but, Joanna came out and was like, you know what? This ain't the year of the bully. And ever since we've seen that happen, we've seen the bully thing fall down. The Keaton Jones thing, my heart's out to him. I know he's been bullied, but, you know, that came, that, that, that spoke out, spoke out on, you know, people spoke out on that. You see all the sexual harassment charges. To me, sexual harassment is a form of bullying. Yes. All that. All, this year is a big year. I, I, you know what? Rose, I'm giving it to Rose. Hands down. Oh, Rose, Rose, yes. I mean, look, but she absolutely destroyed Michelle Waterson in April and in the kind of win she needed to be taken seriously as a contender because Rose had been such a wild card. I mean, her record was like five and three entering this year. You know, she had, we thought she was ready for, for the top level and then she got beat by Carolina. Like she's been up and down, cemented herself as legit. Then to pull off that victory, like you said, it was all mental. It really was. It was all mental. To show off how her boxing has evolved, what a year. I can't argue with that. I'll, you know, it, it was, like I said, it wasn't a year where somebody was so over the top slam dunk like Connor in, you know, 2015 or whatever. It wasn't that type of year. This was a year where it was wide open. Rose could definitely deserve a vote here. Well, the, I, I'm going to be real with you. The reason why this year was it was a, there's no slam dunk. It's a, like, for one, too many shows, a lot of controversies from other sports. And three, I'm going to be real with you. Politics shine and Politics signed and, and dumbed down everything this year. Yes, like think about it. 
politics sides over everything this year for the fight. It's been like that, but for this year, it was bigger. You know what I'm saying? And I think I feel like that was another women's movement coming out. And I think Rose is part of that movement with her win. You know what I'm saying? I think she. I think Rose is a part of the anti-bullying movement, which which she did. I'm not saying Joanna's a bully, but I just feel like people from the outside looking in just made it that way. You know what I'm saying? They're like, you know, you know, and then you know, another thing, women's empowerment. You know what I'm saying? For for women to speak out against these charges, Joanna spoke out for the people that have been bullied. You know what I'm saying? And it's men, women, all you know, all everybody, all all types of people have been been uh, bullied, and for Joanna, for for Rose to go out there and do what she did in that fashion, not talking trash, being talked trash to, being suspected. For her to go out there and stand stand up for herself, stand for everybody that's been bullied, and go out there and stop the champion. You know, that's a story big story. That's a, that's a story big ending right there. So no question about it. When it comes to fight of the year in 2017, again, King Mo, not a great year. You know, some good fights. I don't think it was a great year for fights, but this one, this one was easy. But I thought the choice was easy for myself. I'm not going to spoil it. What do you got? What's your 2017 fight of the year? We can say at the same time. One, two, three. Gaethje, Gaethje Alvarez. Jo- oh, okay, okay. There's, this is a good one. So Gaethje's certainly our action hero of the year. I thought the Johnson fight was my pick for fight of the year. I have no problem with the Alvarez pick for your choice for fight of the year. Yeah, because the Alvarez pick, the reason why I say that is because it had all sorts of drama. Like, you know, think about this, right? The The Johnson... Um, uh, 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 Gaethje fight had drama at the end. Also, Gaethje came on strong. You know what I'm saying? You can see, you can see, you can see the tides change. Like, like Gaethje's walking Michael Johnson down. But with the Alvarez fight, it was like one. It was back and forth, but it's kind of you can see Gaethje was the favorite in that. Gaethje was coming on strong. All of a sudden, that knee from Oof, hell, from hell, the from hell, hell. Knees, the, the tiger, tiger knee that shocked me because I didn't see it coming at all. That listen. I don't get shocked much. I'm a, I, I don't open my mouth. I'm seeing knockout. But when I saw that, I was like, "Where did that come from? Like, how did he get his knee so high? What was Gaethje doing ducking this? What? What? <laughs> I mean, I rewound it because I just didn't see that coming. You know what I'm saying? And there's so much drama in that fight, back and forth. You know, one guy's hurt, this guy's hurt, blood, everything you want to see in in a fight. You saw that was that was that fight was my was kind of. I think, in my opinion, that fight was better than the Forrest Griffin uh, Stephen Bonner fight. Whoa, okay, that that's a bold statement. That's some high praise right there. You think I say it because things? I really like that. I see that because you see. I feel like with Stephen Bonner Forrest Griffin, I feel like those guys just fight. You know, what I'm saying like, okay, it's the fight. We're gonna stand. We're gonna stand and beat each other up. You know, it's a quiet agreement. But with Gaethje and uh, Alvarez, like there was no quiet agreement because those guys. That's how they fight. Yeah, I mean like, they banged it. Alvarez had to be a warrior to get through that. So he had to raise his, you know, his craziness to a, to a high level, but yet stuck to his guns in terms of technique there. That was a sick fight. There's no question. So that made, uh, that made Gage G your male action hero. I do want to give a shout out to Jessica Andrade as the female action hero of the year because her three round decision win over Angela Hill at UFC Houston combined with that all out war against Claudia Gadeja in Japan. And Andrade gave us two, you know, absolute fight of the year contenders. She had a she had a wonderful year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's but I don't think that be real. I don't think that fight with her versus uh, um, um, Claudia was really that competitive. It was competitive for the first round, and then Claudia just got ragdoll manhandled. Look, um, Andrade could be a problem. She's gonna be a big problem at, at, at 115 pounds. A no, big problem. No question uh, about that. And uh, you know, I like this year because. 
some some of the higher elite level fights that don't always play out, you know, in fight of the year contenders, you know, gave you entertaining fights. What I mean by that was like Robert Whitaker, Yoel Romero, interim title fight. That was sort of a sneaky fight of the year contender in the fact sense that it was a dramatic, interesting fight the whole way. Same for TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt in their two round fight, which featured a lot of action. Uh, Dustin Poirier, Jim Miller was another fight of the year contender. And I don't think we can close this conversation without remembering that very shocking comeback win from Darren Elkins back in March when Mursad Bektik had him on the yeah. on the gates of hell and Elkins yeah. the just was like a cyborg just kept refusing to lose and just kept rolling and kept rolling and was able to turn in an incredible year John Anik with the call do you believe it I didn't believe it at that time I wanted to give that fight some praise no that that fight's good praise um Mursad's my boy yeah um Elkins is tough tough Stay composed and stick with the game plan. You know, um, that was a, that was a hell of a fight. This, I'm gonna be real with you. This fight this year wasn't that bad. It was bad because it was, the, the action and all the good fights were so few and far in between. Like they were so spread out. Where a few years ago, you would see good fights, at least two good fights, if not more, every month. Now it's like you have a good fight in April. Fast forward to September, good fight. Okay, go to uh, November, good fight. Then you have one good fight in December. You know what I'm saying? It's like, because there's, there's so many fights that they, they're just throwing them out there. You don't see many marketing. If you notice, think about this, right? When's the next UFC event? Uh, is the next big one January 20th in Boston with the two title fights, yeah. or is there one before that? I don't know off the top I, of my head. I don't know, but think about this. You remember back in the day when the UFC stuff events and they had commercials and the commercials would start literally like about a month and a half out from the event and you see the commercials. Now they have so many shows, you rarely see any commercials. You'll see the commercials two weeks before the event. That's a good point. Oh, yeah, January 14th we in St. Louis. Actually, Jeremy Stevens, uh, Duhu Choi, sign me up for that war, but that's our next card yeah. in between. That's a good card. That's a good card, but guess what? They, they marketed it. No, it's in St. Louis. They ain't marketed it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just the, it's just um oversaturation. That's why the, that's why it. MMA is hurting as a whole. Even Bellator, like Bellator, we're trying to do it different. I think we're gonna we'll be smarter this year, but we got we can't fall in the trap of trying to do too many shows. We have to be we have to come with that quality. Make the we don't shows want the matter. Yeah, make the shows yeah. matter, or or people are going to get tired of it. Uh, King Mo knockout of the year. I don't think this is an argument. I think there's one, and there's only one because uh. uh I almost saw a head fall off a man's body in a in an elite title uh, near title match for the number one contendership at heavyweight in December. Francis Ngannou, Alistair Overeem. Tell me a knockout this year that was better than that. Come on. Hey man, there's a knockout one FC. That one you said would be most most of the black dude. Oh yeah, I did see that one. That's a great call. That's a that's yeah. a sneaky pick right there. I completely forgot about yeah. that one. Like the crazy thing is, you see a lot of crazy knockouts, man. It's just that they get no burn, they get no publicity. Yes, you see some crazy knockouts, but the Ngannou, he made man Ngannou turn over him in the stretch Armstrong. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. And Mister Fantastic. I mean, that's this is <laughs> sick. It's sick. That's a sick knockout. I mean, you don't see. You know, you just don't see that really. I mean, at that level, you don't see a guy get that flush caught. I mean, a, you know, half uppercut hook. I mean, it was just the perfect punch at the perfect time. Say what you want about Overeem's chin. Who's taking that punch, King Mo? Who? Who? Uh, it's the smash. Uh, it's a smash punch. I don't know who could take it. A heavyweight. Uh, not me. I don't think Ngannou King would take that punch. And he threw it. You know what I'm saying? But it's a good smash. Riddick, I mean, Dominic Razor Riddick smash upper hook. 
Um, it, it was impressive, man. As Tyson I'm used to say, Ruddikit's like a mule. Remember Tyson used to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ruddikit can crack. I'm looking for. You know what? This fight with uh um with Myosik and uh and uh and Ghana is gonna be pretty interesting, pretty intriguing because, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be experience versus raw power, speed, and inexperience. Oh yeah. Because I, I, you know, we'll see if it goes past the second round. I think that my is gonna win. If, I mean, it's like how do you, it's a great it's a great take because it's like we just haven't seen. I just went back recently and watched every single Engano UFC fight in a row, and you know we just haven't seen him pushed and tested against. Oh, a, yeah, we have Curtis Blades. Watch that fight. I mean, Blades because, lingered. He lingered and he took some big shots, but I don't think he was getting off a lot. I don't think he was putting. No, 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 no. He wasn't getting off. But if you watch the fight, he was actually in control. Got the few takedowns, and don't forget, Engano Engano was like, you know, he was landing, but. You can, I can kind of sense, just trust me, I can sense, like, for being a wrestler, you can sense when somebody isn't comfortable dealing with the wrestler, and you can sense when somebody's close to, like, getting the point where, like, okay, he's going to get tired soon. He's about to get tired. A lot of times when guys come and face wrestlers or many grapplers, the moment they get in their back and they panic and they push and do all they can to get the person off them and the person doesn't move, is the moment you start to see them fall apart. Yes. Well, that we want to see is there, are, is there any, you know, is there any blemishes in his armor? We want to see that. And, and man. And, but the thing is, Curtis Blades showed that. He showed that it's just that on his feet, he's so dangerous. He's so big and powerful. But one thing is, Nganu has a loss. Nganu, he's been beat before, which every man has. And Nganu's inexperienced. He's green. He's still learning. The thing is, you want to catch him right now, you want to catch him, beat him, and you want to beat him to the point where he, where he's just mental because of mental midget. Right. You want to be, do it now because if he loses and learns how to fight like Brock Lesnar did, because Brock Lesnar lost to Frank Mir and was like, okay, now I know he made a game plan off that one loss. If Ngannou can do that and work on his cardio and, and be composed, there are not many people that will be able to beat him in heavyweight. No question period. about it. No question. A quick shout out for other KO of the year contenders. I love that OSP kick to the head against Corey Anderson yeah. in November yeah. at UFC 217. I mean, Vulcan Ozdemir had had a few uh, knockout contenders. We just saw Marlon Moraes send uh, Aljamain Sterling to dark places in December. And Mike Perry, I don't know if you remember uh, that short little uh, elbow forearm that he hit with Jake Ellenberger yeah. back in April. Uh, Paul yeah. Daly sending Brennan Warden in the Bellator cage. That's your Bellator knockout of the year. That was great stuff. And one I had forgotten about when I wrote my story, I went back and checked. Man, do you remember when uh, Diego Sanchez got caught with that uh, with that elbow, that elbow slash punch oh, from Matt yeah, Brown? Yeah. That was some dirty, nasty, yeah. dark stuff yeah, that, right there. That was one oh, that shot to hell and back. Uh, I didn't know if I had a clear-cut round of the year, King Mo. I mean, of course, I loved round two when Gage G rallied back against Michael Johnson. Did you have any specific round that, that was a slam dunker to you, or is it all sort of the same in the end? Let me think. Let me think. I, I think that. I think it's, it's, it's Gage G. Every Gage-y, round with Gage-y, uh, yeah. Yep. Every yeah, Gage G. Or, or, or Robbie. Robbie. Or Robbie. Um, well, no, nah, because uh, – I wouldn't say Robbie's fight because you know, Robbie, Robbie wasn't firing back. I think the second or third round, Robbie uh, – um, Lawler? Uh, what's that? Word? Robbie Lawler. Um, Cerrone? Uh, what's that dude's uh, – not Cerrone. Um, the Brazilian. I can't – I went to it black. And Dos Anjos. Yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it, was pretty, it was pretty cool, but at the same time, it was just one-sided. It was Robbie flipping and making a miss and trying to fire back. But the, the other fights, you saw more back-and-forth action. 
My uh, favorite feud of the year, uh, your nominees could easily be Jones Cormier, although that had a sour taste in the end and the ending, or maybe uh, Colby Covington versus the country of Brazil. Uh, you have a, you have a specific favorite this calendar year? Oh, man. There wasn't uh, a prevailing trash-talking war over the whole year, you know, with Connor being distant. There there wasn't just that one fight or, or feud where you're like, man, I can't wait for these man, guys finally to... Well, well, the the best trash talk, the best feuds, honestly, in combat sports, like, not in my opinion, but in, in opinion, like, you know, from the viewers, was, was Connor versus Floyd. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. We can say what we want, but we have to agree. The first two of that four-day international media tour was some entertaining stuff. Like, that was like... Well, Feel spot activated. I I, I think I knew what was going to happen because I, 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 the thing is, I, the first the first day I was I was at the Mayweather gym, and I was watching the press conference. And I watched the first like five minutes of the press conference. I was like, man, this is stupid. Because <laughs> the thing is, at the gym, people gym Floyd says the same stuff so much over and over that people before Floyd could even finish what he's saying, they was finished this whole sentence for him. All work is easy work. Harvard vacation. And after a while, I was like, man, this is stupid. I'm like, I'm out. I'm going to go hit the bag or something. You know what I'm saying? Because talk is cheap. Let's see that action. That's talk true. Is cheap, but man. talk was going to sell MMA, that fight. Talk was going to yeah, sell yeah. that completely. And that's the, thing, the thing is, if you see a new trend, I feel like in combat sports, it'll be not talking. Because think about this. Kobe Covington, from all the, talk tra- the, the trash talk he's done, you figure his name would be hotter right now. But it's not because... You're gonna start seeing guys that are quiet, guys like Habib. Habib doesn't speak unless you bring his name up. You're gonna see guys like Tony Ferguson. You don't speak till you bring his name up. Guys like that, even in boxing, Earl Spitz don't speak till you bring his name up. You no, know, Luis Ortiz don't speak till you bring. So the killers, the cool, are not talking. So like that cool killer look is is gonna be the new. That's gonna be the new. Because because the thing about the killer look is at least you know if you if you have a, if a killer and the guy's proven he's a killer in his, his style. You'll see a killer in a fight unless he gets old. Now, with the trash talk, like Chael, like, you don't know if you're going to get what you, like, is Chael talking trash? He's trying to sell a fight. You don't know what you're going to get because he might be like, I'm going to go out there and bang it, bang with the guy. And the first thing he does is shit takedown. So the guys that paid, the people that paid for the fight got finessed because they're like, oh, Chael's going to go out there and bang. Well, no, he went out there and wrestled. The trend is changing. Talk is cheap. People will want to see action, especially those MMA fans that are paying for pay-per-views. All the talking and the selling the fight is done. Show us some action. That's uh, what we're going to be saying. That that message has been brought to you by King Mo, Muhammad Lawal. I agree with you completely. King Mo, the pay-per-view or card of the year in general, there was nothing better than UFC 217, New York City, three straight fight, title fights, all ending by dramatic finish. Did you? Is this a slam dunk in your eyes as well? Nah, I think Detroit might have been a little better. I can't hate on that. 218, the, the one month later, no question about it. That, that had some... That, you know that really did have some fire. I mean, when you put those two, yeah. Detroit was Detroit was better. You know why I say it's better because for the bang for its buck, it's better. Like the hype, like the hype was there for 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 New York. The hype was there because George was coming back, everything. Joanna was fighting. The hype was there. But for Detroit, the hype was, but only because Ngannou was fighting Overeem and Gaethje. Like, but the whole card that whole night was pretty spectacular in a sense. I got I have friends that were there. From Detroit, so I got people in Detroit, and they're like, "Mo, man, you should came up, man. That car was good." And I was like, "Well, I, I peeped it a little bit on TV, you know what I'm saying?" But they told me, they told me it's official, and my boy, he's a hater. He like, he didn't get nothing credit. He hates on everything. He said, "Mo, this is probably the best UFC card I've ever attended." And he goes to him, he goes to him all. He and he's a cheap, cheap, cheap guy. He, you know, he's 
Yeah, he likes he likes to hate. Like you know, even the Scrooges him. came around for two eighteen. I love that. That's the best yeah. advertisement you could have right for up. right there. Uh, you know, he's like the can never uh, uh, never um, appease, but he was appeased that night. And, you know, that's for, for as bad as this year was for the UFC and PR in a lot of ways. Two two seventeen and two eighteen back to back certainly delivered. Uh, I wanted to give out an oh crap moment of the year, maybe a feel spot moment. The one sort of moment that I was the most like holy beep. I got to give it this. I was cage side in June. The Bellator NYC pay-per-view Fedor versus Matt Mitrione, the double knockdown, where for a second and a half, we thought we were watching the double knockout. Kingmo, it does not get crazier than that two to three seconds right there where they both landed punches at the same time and both dropped. You know what the funny thing is? Okay, watch that fight again, but this time watch... Fedor's face, if you look at Fedor's face, because he's like, get up, get up, ah, it's over, because like, because when, because like that, 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 that fight, that you know, um, you ever seen those old western movies when uh, when both guys pull out their gun, you know, the the duel. Oh yeah. Well, th- this was a duel, except both guns jammed. <laughs> so this, no, this was a fight of okay, who's gonna unjam their gun to fire that shot, and that's what that's what it was. They both fell. Oh oh oh, and then. Matt Mitchell got up faster and fired that shot. They, I don't know win. if you can you can beat that moment outside of maybe like you mentioned earlier that that the knee that Gates G eight out of nowhere. I, that was probably my second biggest reaction moment of the year. I have an award for biggest disappointment, and as a fan, I'll just say it: no Nate Diaz in twenty seventeen. King Bone. I know that he was sitting back, going, "Look, I'm not going to take your couple million. You know, I'm not going to take your five hundred thousand dollar offer to come fight a really tough guy. I'm either getting the Connor Payday or I'm not." Well, guess what? He didn't, and he sat at home. And momentum-wise, King Mo, in a year when UFC really needed a star, man, like the the, the top heel himself, Nate Diaz, could have done big business even without Conor, I thought, if he just would have gotten the money that he wanted and deserved. Did, did this disappoint you at all, or are you not, you're not riding the Stockton slap like I am as a fan? Oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, Nate's a cool, there's my dog. I like Nate, but I think what he did was right. Because the thing is, is like, now the UFC look at the numbers and be like, you know what? 2017 was horrible. What are we missing? What are we missing? What are we missing? I know what you're missing. You're missing the two Diaz brothers. <laughs> you're not just Nate. What about Nick? Well, of course. Not just These Nick. guys what are anti-heroes. Nick? They're like so anti-UFC that fans just like love them that man, if the UFC would just play that up more and give them what they, what it need, what they need to get back in. But it's tough because every time Dana talks, he says, both brothers, all they do is turn down fights. Then both brothers talk, and they're like, "No, Dana's a liar." So it's like you never even know where you know what where the truth is anyway. Although if I'm going to well, back I, somebody, I'm not backing Dana these days. Let's be honest. Well, the thing is, like you know, um, I'm listening to Diaz brothers. Remember at the same time Dana said, "Hey, we're not selling the UFC. The UFC is not for sale." Two weeks later, <laughs> Brock Lesnar's not coming oh. back next <laughs> ne- that same night. Brock Lesnar is announced as coming back. Yeah, it's the same thing. So, but the thing is, like, I don't think the deal. I think, I think what happened is they call the Diaz boys, like, "Hey, you want to fight? We got to fight for you." They're like, "Yeah, we'll fight. How much?" Because you know they're thinking, like, "Hey, they're calling us for a reason." You know what I'm saying? Because they're gonna call them because you need need them, and if you're gonna call them because you need them, you gotta pay you need to pay them too. And they probably say, "Oh, the UFC called us. They they they're blowing us up. I'm pretty sure they're gonna offer us big money for this fight." Oh, we'll fight. Who? So so how much you gonna pay us? Five hundred grand. Click. Click. You know, come on, man. Like. Because once, once, once Nate tasted that Conor McGregor money yes. both times, and then he saw what Conor McGregor got paid, because you know the UFC will lie to you. For instance, how they lied to Floyd, they tried to play Floyd. Dana White said, Floyd, call me. 
I'll give you $25 million for that fight. Floyd said, yeah, right. I'll, now, here's the funny thing. MMA fans worldwide were like, Floyd scared. Floyd scared. Floyd said, I'm not scared. I know there's more money. And guess what? There's more money. Diaz, stick to your guns. You know what I'm saying? Because there's more money out there. Both brothers, stick to your guns and get that Right. Check. And by the way, Floyd just caught the UFC lying a second time. I don't know if you caught the headlines the last couple of weeks where yeah. Dana came out on SportsCenter. Like, you know, it came out everywhere and was like, Floyd really wants to fight in the UFC. This is for real. And then I, I was really happy to see Floyd finally step up and be like, you guys are crazy. I'm not fighting in the UFC. Like, that's not what this conversation was about. I really felt like that was Dana lying and spinning Floyd's name to try to get attention, whether it's for the upcoming new TV deal he wants to sign. I don't know what the reason was, but, like, that was a little sketchy, that whole situation. Yeah. It's funny because people try – I remember some guys like, yeah, the UFC ain't got to use Floyd's name to build the UFC. No, that's absurd. Floyd's lying. Floyd's cocky. I'm like, he's done. Well, think about this. Like, remember when when um, Vitor Belfort fought Rich Franklin? Remember that fight? Yes. I don't. You know why? Because I was watching Floyd versus Marquez. Same and way. ever since that fight happened, when Floyd came back and fought Marquez the same day as the UFC event, Dana White had it out for him, talked bad about him. Then when Ronda came, oh, Ronda would beat Floyd. That's a good Jose point. would beat Floyd. Paige Van Sant would beat Floyd. Conor McGregor beat Floyd. So all you hear was Floyd's name and Dan White's mouth. And, and then all you, all you, if you just type in Floyd Mayweather UFC, you'll see a bunch of articles about Dana White bringing up Floyd's name, Floyd bringing up Dana White's name here and there. Well, that's why it and was – then... Well, let me interrupt you. That's why it was weird on the on the Mayweather-McGregor press tour, the four-day tour they did over the summer before that boxing match. Floyd went out of his way like 20 separate times to be like, I don't have a problem with you, Dana White. You're my boy. You know, your business understands business. Real recognizes real. So that teased like, are they going to work together moving forward? And I know Dana just last week said he, he went to meet with Floyd to talk boxing. So it's it's just – it's a weird – the whole re- relationship is weird. But this certainly I felt can, like – I can tell you – Go ahead. I can tell you what's going to happen, man. Because you know, I'm, I'm an insider. I love my boxing. Okay, Al Hamas get out the game within the next year or two, right? He's a bunch of fighters. Right now, he's giving us fighters like Adrian Broner, um, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, um, Barry Hunter's fighters, and all those guys, Floyd, promotion companies. So what he's doing is all the fighters he has signed, he's unloading them to Floyd and the other boxers he had signed to his, to, uh, to his management deal. So what he's going to do with the fighters he don't have, the fighters he has that he doesn't pass up to somebody – he will give them to Dana White. Okay, Dana this White is interesting. Does this explain, yeah. by the way, why middleweight contender Danny Jacobs just signed with Eddie Hearn and went from Showtime to HBO, and everybody's like, "Whoa, what's going on? I thought you were an Al Heyman guy." Is, does this? Do you think explain that? Well, yeah. Uh, well, Al Heyman's working with Eddie Hearn, I think, a little bit, but he's doing like Al Heyman's like a Doctor Claw type figure. You won't see him talk business. You won't see him talk. You won't see pictures, but he'll make oh, no. moves. And and I think these moves, like I think he's gonna have like some guys like Phil Greco. Chris Burheaton, Samaje Thomas, and guys like that, they'll be fighting under the Zufa banner, Zufa boxing banner, most likely. I mean, they, they, you know, you heard Dana say ad nauseum working with Al Heyman and Floyd was the easiest, you know, deal he ever had to make in his life. And you're, that, that, that really made you think something was going to happen in the future. I just would think this whole idea of Dana White in boxing, I feel like it's not going to be with the UFC, though. I feel like Dana White will make, in 2018, if I'm going to make a bold, maybe it's bold prediction time, if I'm going to make a bold prediction in 2018, I feel like for Dana White's boxing 
goals to really take off, he's going to leave the UFC to do it. Because guess what Zufa Boxing means? It means the Fertitta brothers back in business yes, yep. who no longer own the UFC, and they have a lot of money to waste. And when you when you want to try it as a boxing promoter, and everyone has tried and failed, from Sugar Ray Leonard to even Roy Jones, 50 Cent, you know, Jay-Z, everyone's tried and failed. You need to waste a lot of money to try. They have that money. If you're the UFC, why, why would you be involved in that, right? I feel like the comments Dana's making week to week, insulting fighters. He's like a negative to the company right now. I feel like a break is coming. Is he trying to get himself fired? That's another conspiracy, you know, argument, but I feel like the break is actually coming because it's healthier for the Dana, for the UFC, for Dana White not to be there in my eyes moving forward. Well, it depends because like if he's there, he knows how the business will run. If he leaves, who else can help run the business? So like, you know, but, but now here's, now here's the thing, like, Dana White leaving the UFC might be at the right time because boxing is not a pay-per-view sport no more. It's a network TV sport. Dana White has clout because of the UFC. He could be like, hey, I helped build the UFC. I'm with the Fertitas. We got a boxing promotion. You know what? We're, we're, you know, let's get a, let's get a TV deal with somebody and then we'll partner up with, the, we'll, we'll do business with Al Hammond, top rank, and we'll do business, you know, because the thing is like, pay-per-view is dead pretty much in boxing. Yeah, now, except for the highest, highest of highs. That that's the only time you make money off. Even 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 then, because before I gone, you have you have you just have Canelo and that's it. But let's be honest, Cotto's gone, and even yeah. you know even he wasn't yeah. moving big product lately. So yeah, yeah. But but, but but if you look at the if you look at the the the, the way it's going, like MMA stuck in MMA stuck in the um, Stone Age because now WWE is from pay per view boxing. We look from pay per view. Everybody else because now everybody's streaming. So if the UFC, the UFC might want to try to up their game, put out more quality, so they can get a better TV deal with with Fox. Because I'm hearing that the TV deal is going to be cut in half. Instead of like two or three hundred million, seems like a hundred, one hundred fifty million, which is good money still, but not as much as they thought they didn't get. Oh no, not That's as much why... when when the UFC sold. I mean, those for the Fertitas are geniuses now. When you look back, yeah. you know, four billion dollar deal at the highest of highs. They're never getting that. They're never getting back to that, right? Unless Connor's going to fight three times a year. How could they ever be as good as they were in twenty sixteen again? Even 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 if Connor's going to fight three times a year, it wouldn't make a difference because you have to have the right opponent for Connor for people tuning to watch Connor. Um, I just I think that you know. Like, when it comes down to it, you know, that's the right move. If, if you know, Fertitta saw writing on the wall, they saw the Ali Act, they saw this, they saw a lot of money being made, but then they saw a lot of people coming to take away from their money. So I think that the, the best move they could have done was to sell, because not everything can stay on top, especially the way MMA is. MMA is kind of finicky. You know, in, in 2005, remember, the fastest growing sport on the planet, MMA. We heard that for years. Now, can you say that? No, because let me tell you something. The car last night, or the car the other night, look, look, wasn't, I know the energy was off. Yes. Like, you know, usually when they announce the names, this year, when you, when you hear people's names get announced, you hear the crowd start to cheer and stand. When you, when you, when they pan over the crowd, you see, you don't see many empty seats. Well, guess what? For 219, the crowd wasn't loud. And I saw a bunch of empty seats. They had the upper deck tapered off on one half. The upper deck had curtains over it. That's something you don't see, right? Especially for a New Year's Eve UFC card. Something's got to change. You're right. King Mo, I need a bold prediction from you for 2018 involving fighter of the year. Which fighter in MMA is poised in your eyes to, to really make a run at this? I think Daniel Cormier. Interesting. All right. So he'll come back against Vulcan. What do you, what do you think? Vulcan. Smash Vulcan. You might smash another person, then you'll beat Ngannou. 
if Ngana has Whoa, whoa. Okay, this is bold. This is what I'm talking about. So your yeah, that, your idea of a giant 2018 for Cormier would be defending the light heavyweight title once or twice and then moving up to heavyweight and fighting the newly crowned monster in Ngano. I'm like this. I'm like this. I know Daniel from competition, and I think Daniel's going to smash every, whoever he's fighting at 215. I, 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 Boca is tough, but I saw Boca get beat by my homeboy, my former teammate, Kelly Anunson. Yeah, it's too soon. And, it's too soon for him at a title right now, let's be honest. Yeah, and, and, and too, like, you know, one thing about the combat club, you've seen, like, great gym, but the the wrestling is still, still gelling because they have two wrestling coaches, so they're still trying to figure out the system there. And the ground game, the, you know, it's a new team, so they're still, trying, they're still trying to figure out a good system to make everything gel. You know what I'm saying? So that'll take some time. But Vulcan, I just don't I don't see what he can do to Daniel. In the clinch, Daniel take him down. Hands, Daniel's quicker, faster. Daniel I, I don't know, I just I think Daniel's gonna beat him. Beat whoever fight Jimmy Manoa. Good beat Jimmy. And then he'll fight the heavyweight champion. If it's in Ghana, it'll look even better. But if it's Super Mayo stick, he'll beat Super Mayo stick. I think he'll just start working him and out wrestle him and control him. I'm with, and that's, that's, that's a, game. That's a and, great bold prediction. I mean, that that's in play for Cormier. I mean, you think about what he could do in his legacy. Does, yeah, once he does that, I think that he might take one more fight heavyweight, defend it, then retire, or he might win the belt and just go out on top. All right, who comes back to the octagon sooner, John Jones or Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey? Of those three, who are you going with? It's got to be Conor, right? <sighs> Can I say Anderson Silva for D? Yeah, <laughs> I right. Know. I mean, there's, there's – I, the thing is, I don't think Conor's going to come back because, you, now think about this, right? Obviously, he's watching Habib fight, right? Because I heard he went out there on a Twitter rampage, and he was like, I'm making money. If you want to see me fight, make me beg. Well, the thing is, people are tired of begging. No one wants to beg. And if he doesn't want to fight, they just don't comment. Just stay quiet. Yeah. I think he wants to keep his name out there. And I think he wants to tease. He'll come back. And I think he'll tease to come back. Say Habib, say Habib were to get hurt, he would come back then. He come back then and fight Ferguson. He come back then and fight Diaz. But if Habib is still injured, not injured, or injury free, still feeling good, you know he'll be in Ireland or in LA just kicking it. He ain't gonna fight Habib anywhere. All right. Final prediction for 2018. Who does GSP come back against? I would Connor. Probably. It probably. I mean that. Look, yeah. that's how you're gonna please Connor in the end. Because if you're Connor and Dana White says, "Hey, you want to fight Habib or Tony Ferguson?" Your answer is no. You want to fight GSP for double the money? Your answer is yes. It's very simple. It's math. Come on. Yeah, but but remember, remember, he said Dan. Dan. Someone said Dan said that um, Connor versus George is not going to happen right away. But here's the thing: Do you believe him? I don't believe anything that Dana White says anymore. I mean, it goes back three, four years. How could you believe anything? All right, Kingmo, we are running long. We made our prediction. If you look back, a couple news and notes I wanted to get your thoughts on. The Bellator Heavyweight World Grand Prix, of which you are a part of in 2018, the fine tournament. Uh, odds were released two weeks ago, courtesy of Bovada. Matt Mitrione, the tournament favorite at plus 225. Very shocking to a lot of people when you consider uh arguably his chin and the fact that He's had a fun run in Bellator, but he hasn't been beating beating heroes, you know. I mean, what, what what's your thoughts on this? Uh, you know what? It's cool to go with the sixty pick, and he's a sixty pick because he's a name came from the UFC, you know. And the thing is, if you look at the card, what's funny is he's the most inexperienced person on that in the tournament. Like I have way more experience. I'm not like I I like Matt. Matt's a great competitor, but I love to fight Matt because there's nothing he can do to me that I haven't seen. Now there's a lot I can do to him that he hasn't seen because he hasn't had many fights. He's, he's had what like. 17 pro fights at 39 years old, yeah. That's not many for someone who's been fighting for that long. 
he started fighting before me. He started fighting in 2005, I believe. I started three years later. He thought, yeah, he started fighting fight in 2009. Yeah, yeah. This is, he's, he's very, very new coming out of the NFL to the fight game. No question about it. Ryan Bader, number two in there at plus 280. You know, that makes sense. Frank Mir and Fedor right behind him. King Mo, though, not getting a ton of love at plus 1100. They're giving you the third worst chance beside, behind Chael and Rampage to win this. They're even giving any alternate fighter at plus 600 nearly double the chance of King Mo winning. Now, that's got to fire up the king. Come on. Hey, you know what? It don't, don't because the thing is, people are going to be shocked, and they're going to be mad. And people are gonna, like people going to lose money on Bader, and people are going to win big money on me. You know what I'm saying? Like it, Those people, those are, those are the same people that picked me to get smashed by Musashi. They're the same people that picked um, um, Mark Dacassi, the smash hooker, they picked Cabillo to smash Estrada. You know what I'm saying? Like, the thing is, like, a lot of these MMA people that pick, a lot of these like, handicappers that pick and fight, they just pick the, 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 the popular name. They are no fighting. You know what I'm saying? They just pick the popular name. So if the people out there that, are, that don't know about fighting want to go with them, you know, you know take a chance. But, be, don't, but don't get mad when you lose. Fair Stick point. with me. Listen to me. I'm going to beat Bader. I'm going to punish Bader. I've been studying Bader for a while. As a matter of fact, I have a group on WhatsApp. I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna add you on, so you can look at what we've been going over. So, you, so you can, I have, a, I have like seven people in that group, and we've been posting videos. And I'm, a, are you on WhatsApp? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, I will add. Let me get off. Let me want, get, done with this. Let me get the inside group. info here. And yeah. guess who's not so on WhatsApp? The Bovada match uh, line setters are not on <laughs> WhatsApp because for your first round matchup in April, they have Bader minus two sixty and King Mo plus two hundred. So I do always wonder, as a fighter, when you read that, I mean, that's got to get you. It's got to get you fired up for what they don't know, right? Yeah, but I think it's the most part. I'm gonna read it because those guys don't know nothing about fighting. Like it, it'd be a different story if it was you because you don't understand fighting. But those people are most likely the UFC fans and just watch UFC and they they don't really know. Uh, they 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 pick. Like it's crazy because they picked they picked um they picked uh a Mitrione. they picked Bader the two favorites and who who's third um Frank Mir Quentin or, Fedor behind Frank Mir UFC guy yeah and Fedor and then Chael and Quentin Vinny. Chael and Quentin at the end though Chael and Quentin the 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 worst chance to win in their eyes right I, I, oh and they have, the funny thing is they have Frank Mir over those guys even though Frank Mir ain't fighting how many years. Uh, hasn't fought in about two and a half, it feels like, right? Or no, probably about two, two solid years. And, and, and one more question. Is he coming up a win or a loss? Uh, not a win, not a win, no. Huh. And, and, and they think that Desco is gonna be, beat me? Come and they on, picked man. an alternate. Okay. They picked any, it, it says it, any random fighter is plus, is plus 600 to, to win over King Bo. So the, basically they're saying if somebody drops out due to injury, whoever fills in, they think has a better chance to win than King Bo. So that, take that back to the gym with you, King Mo, and, and, and let it, let it fester. Uh, two quick points on the way out here, King Mo. The heavyweight boxing picture for 2018. Your guy, Luis Ortiz, is back in business. He had a one-punch knockout over a jobber, Daniel Martz, in December. Looks like this Deontay Wilder fight could be a go for the first quarter. Does, is he still the guy? Does Luis Ortiz still have it? Does he still have it if he comes in clean? Is he still the guy that can wreck this whole division picture? Yeah, I was, as a matter of fact, I was there when he knocked the guy out. I was, as a matter of fact, I was there with his coach, and I, I, thought, I thought it funny because originally supposed to fight somebody else, supposed to fight my boy Jason Gavin, journeyman, and all of a sudden I'm like, man, because I trained with Jason a little bit, being for sparring, and I was like, man, I'm scared. I want this fight to happen. 
Then my boy's like, no, nah, he's fighting some tall guy from West Virginia. He's like 6'9". And I'm like, really? Why would he do that? And my boy's like, I don't know, probably for a look for Deontay Wilder. I'm like, true. I go to the fights. I talk to his coach. He's like, yeah, Deontay Wilder's coming here. Once I saw, I saw Charlo and Deontay Wilder, once I saw them there, I knew that fight's going to happen. All right, all right. I'm down with that. I mean, we got Tyson Fury getting in shape. We have uh, Anthony Joshua oh, maybe doing a unification pout against Joseph Parker, the unbeaten champion from New Zealand. We got business picking up at the end of the year. King Mo, who's going to be our number one heavyweight boxer at the end of 2018? Is it still going to be Joshua? Where are we going to be? It's going to be, you know what? I'm not sure because I think the big fights will happen in 2019. I think the belts will be unified in 2019. I think that, I think that the number one guy will be um, Joshua. I think Joshua's going to beat um, Parker, stop him. I think Joshua beat Tyson Fury. Granted, I love Tyson Fury, but the, the layoff and the weight gain ain't going to help him. I, I want him so back so bad because obviously I'm I'm a cheap thrill type of guy for trash talk. I just want to see him back because if he's in shape, he's kryptonite. We saw that against Vlad. He is kryptonite to all these guys. Because go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go. You I was going to say because the one thing about this era right now, these aren't all time great heavyweights. They're just young, hungry heavyweights that are all going to fight each other. So that's why it's exciting. No, I don't know if anybody can handle an in shape Tyson Fury. I also don't know if he can get in shape. Lot to watch for in 2018. Uh, and my dark horse, period. I got I got three: Mikey Garcia, Errol Spence, B.J. Saunders. Oh yeah, Billy Joe Saunders looked like a million bucks against David Lemieux. He is now a look. If he's going to get in there with either Golovkin or Canelo or Danny Jacobs, it's going to be a fun fight. That's a fun division to watch he, on HBO. He's he's beaten all three, but you lose the boo boo. Mark it. Oh wow, our guy. Uh, you're talking about Demetrius Andrade. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Known him for a while. New for the train center, man. As a matter of fact, you got a boxing podcast. You got to bring me on. That's man. what I'm talking about. It's, I think it's time. It's time there. for King Mo to cross over. Uh, King Mo, you're also a big wrestling fan. Our last piece of business this week, th- early Thursday morning in Tokyo, Japan, at the Tokyo Dome, Wrestle Kingdom 12, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho. You got any predictions? Not really on who wins. I just mean, do you have any predictions that Jericho is going to keep signing on? Will he? Will this be such a big thing that we'll see more Jericho on that side of the street? Because something's brewing in Japan. You know it. They're coming to the U.S. in March for their second show. Something's happening here. I'm worried about something. I'm worried Jericho would be a mole. I'm worried Jericho. Because you see that article about Kenny Omega saying, hey, I wouldn't mind going to WWE. Now, Mark, check this out. Omega loses to Jericho, Wrestle Kingdom, beats him. At WrestleMania. How about that? So a lot of people are saying that, you know, hey, maybe this is, maybe that's why Vince was so, you know, accommodating, even though, even though Jericho signed the deal before he went back to Vince because his WWE contract would, had been up, but Vince was like supportive. I just wonder, I just, when I read every Omega interview, he sounds like an artist. He sounds like somebody who's not in it for the money. Like he's trying to create something that hasn't been created for. He wants to be the greatest of all time. I know eventually we'll see him in WWE. I just feel like he still has more to do. He wants to be the face of something. He wants to compete against WWE as the face of that. But hey, maybe I'm wrong and I don't know what's going on. And when, when the money will talk and the contract's there, imagine him surprising, surprising at WrestleMania. I mean, this could be a giant year for pro wrestling if something like that happened. Yeah, you, you see WWE rating talent from Ring of Honor, TNA, and New Japan. Cause I'm, I'm don't be surprised. Like, you know, they will go up to Kota Ibushi again, even though he was in that tournament. I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to see things change. I'm worried for Ring of Honor. 
I'm hoping that Ring of Honor, PWG, uh, um, Global Force, and all those uh, all those companies band together and bring the old territories back, and have pay per view every idea. three to four months. They're f- great ideas. They should do that. Well, they are all they're all friendly together. Like Ring of Honor, New Japan have a working system where they trade talent. That's a big thing. But the thing is, Omega is the difference maker, King Mo. If he goes to WWE, this revolution that I keep calling it, like this NJPW yeah. revolution, it's over. It's over. He's the only one because if he stays. And Abushi stays, and Coda, Coda, uh, Cody Rhodes stays, and Chris Jericho stays, and who knows when Daniel Are Bryan, scrolls, the young bucks. Yeah, and guess what? Young Daniel Daniel. Bryan's going to be done with his WWE contract in September, and if they don't clear him, CM who knows? Punk. CM Punk. So, Boy uh, Club wouldn't sweep me, but none, of, but none of that matters if Kenny Omega signs. So I don't know his contract status. I know he was up in January of last year, and he re-signed with NJPW. King Mo, I hope he stays in Japan. And I hope New Japan becomes a, a thing and, you know, with Ring of Honor and everybody else because I want to see WWE have to be better. I want to see a real rivalry, real competition because that's the only way change happens. WCW versus WWE. That's what we are talking again. about. King Mo and I dusted off. Wow, long show this week to put 2017 in the book. To look ahead, you can follow us on social media at B Campbell CBS at King Mo. F.H. King Mo, you have any message for the fans, your multiple followers, as we exit this week's show? 2017 is gone. 2018, we stepping in. We in there. But today, tonight, we got two words. Go ahead, say it for us. We out. Damn right. (laughs) (laughs) 